0: This evening, we're going to be focusing our attention in God's Word uh, on Luke chapter 18, the first uh, eight verses there. You'll find the words of that passage in your, in your worship packet, but if you have your Bibles with you, feel free to turn there as well. Luke chapter 18, one of our Lord Jesus' parables that He was uh, preaching to the crowds, a mixture uh, of disciples and uh, opponents. Uh, this is God's holy word. Follow along as I read it. And he, that is Jesus, told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice, so that she will not beat me down by her continued coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect? who cry to him day and night, will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Here we end reading of God's holy word tonight. Well, brothers and sisters, in just a few weeks, we are going to celebrate uh, Reformation And one of the blessings of celebrating Reformation Day is is focusing our attention on those men, men like Martin Luther, men like John Calvin, and others, faithful men, who recovered for the Christian church during a time of great darkness and error in the church. Recovered a right understanding of God himself, God as the, the holy, sovereign creator of heaven and earth. The Reformers recovered for the Church a biblical understanding of the authority and the power of God's Word. The Reformers recovered for the Church a right, a biblical understanding of salvation by grace alone through faith alone in Christ Jesus alone. And while we've heard of men like John Calvin and Martin Luther, there are some Reformers we are less familiar with. I'm going to tell you a little bit about one man tonight. It's sort of an introduction to our passage tonight. A man who was a reformer in Scotland, a man named John Knox. John Knox is remembered for many things. He was a fiery man, a fiery, bold preacher that sometimes got him into trouble. He was a man who knew what it was to suffer. In fact, for 19 months of his life, he. He labored as a galley slave on a French warship, chained to a bench like a criminal, daily lashed with a whip, constantly ridiculed by those around him. And yet he was a man whose hope never faltered and whose prayers to his God grew more fervent as the days went by. John Knox is remembered as a man of fervent prayer. He was a prayer warrior to the greatest extent. When he returned home to Scotland he continued to endure scorn and hatred at the hands of Catholic Queen Mary, Bloody Mary, some of you have heard of her, but another queen as well, Mary Queen of Scots. And the reason he was so hated by Mary Queen of Scots is that he frequently and boldly preached against her ungodly lifestyle. But despite her hatred for John Knox, the Queen could not help but admire, even fear, the prayer life of her opponent. It is said that Mary, Queen of Scots, trembled when John Knox went to his knees in prayer. It said that uh, she expla- exclaimed once that, that she feared John Knox's prayers more than all the armies in Europe combined. Why was she so Afraid? Why was she so shaken by the prayers of a mere man? It's because she knew that John Knox believed that God worked through the prayers of his people, and Knox acted on that belief. He came boldly and frequently before God's throne of grace to make his requests known. John Knox poured himself into his preaching, or his praying. Praying not simply with his lips, but praying with the intense desire of his soul he would not give up in prayer he persisted in prayer one commentator put it this way his prayers could be called prayerful praying well here in Luke 18 Jesus parable of the persistent widow calls all of us likewise to pray prayerfully that is the purpose of Jesus parable is to teach us just as Jesus was teaching his disciples That we should always pray and never give up. Jesus teaches us several things here tonight in this parable. We're going to notice first he would have us learn the proper manner of our prayer. The proper manner of our prayer. Our prayers before God, our Heavenly Father, should be like those of John Knox and that they flow from obedient hearts. Zealous for communion close, intimate fellowship with the one true God. Our prayers cannot be mere lip service. It should be the reflection of our souls that seek the Lord completely and persistently and continually. But secondly, Jesus teaches us why we should pray. Why we should pray. And he teaches us the basis for our confidence in prayer. And it's this. Our confidence in prayer is the deep love of God for us as his elect So tonight we're going to look at the details of Jesus' important parable. We're going to look at uh, the crucial lesson that Jesus would have us understand and learn from this parable, but also we're going to notice the important probing question that Jesus appends to the end of this parable. First of all, the important parable of our Lord Jesus. Jesus begins to teach his disciples about the necessity of praying without giving up by introducing the two main characters of this important parable. First we have the judge. We read in verse two that in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. The image of the judge in Jesus' parable that we get is this he is a worldly judge he is a thoroughly worldly secular judge he has no concern for public opinion he certainly has no fear of god there are no religious principles that give him any reason to grant justice to anyone who comes through the doors of his office he is a thoroughly unrighteous unjust judge that's the first main character in jesus parable the second is the needy widow. Look at me at verse 3. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. We know from Scripture as a whole that God deeply cared for the plight of the widow. In fact, we read in Psalm 68 that anyone who deprived a widow of her rights would face the wrath of God because God is the defender of widows. And despite the fact, sadly, God had set up all these, these laws to protect and to care for widows in Israel, the sad reality is that widows were still often mistreated among God's covenant people. It was an all too well-known fact It certainly would have been known by the crowd that Jesus preached to that day. so this widow, in Jesus' parable, is not likely wealthy at all. She's not a woman of means. She wouldn't have the money needed to, to find a lawyer, to hire a lawyer, to represent her in court. And so she is looking for a judge who will also be her defender, who will also be her lawyer, and take her case before her adversary. She has only one option left, this vulnerable widow. So she seeks out this this wicked judge of the city and tries to get justice from him. But we read in verse 4 that for a while he refused her, her request. There's no tenderness in him for this widow's difficult situation. There's no love for justice in his heart. He has no sympathy for her. And so true to his disposition, he sends her away disregards her needs. He refuses even to open a file on her. On to the next case. But the widow has one tool left in her toolbox. One weapon in her arsenal. And that is her persistent plea. We read in the following verses here, verses 4 and following, Afterward, he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. The widow returns day after day after day, and she repeats her request time and time again. Grant me justice against my adversary. She doesn't shrink quietly away after the first denial. She returns again and again. You can imagine the frustration of the lawyer as every day comes into his waiting room and there's the widow. Grant me justice against my adversary. I will not take no as an answer. And so eventually, the widow's persistence, her her gentle harassment of the judge gets the better of him. And he says to himself, Even though I don't fear God, even though I don't care about man, just because this woman is bothering me, I will see that she gets her justice, so she won't wear me out. Literally the word says, so she won't bruise me or injury, so she won't beat me up with her coming. I'll give her what she needs, what she desires cannot stand her persistence any longer, so he gives in, he investigates her case, he gives her the justice that she requests. What's the crucial lesson here from Jesus' parable? I think the tip-off for Jesus' lesson comes in the way he begins his application of this parable in verse 6. You read there, and the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge Says. A close listen to Jesus' words here helps us understand the meaning of this parable. Jesus means to show us a very, very important contrast. Jesus wants us to see the difference between the worst in man and the best in God. Jesus essentially says if this is what an unjust, unrighteous, wicked judge says and does when a needy widow asks him persistently. If that's what an unjust judge does, then how much more will God? How much more will God, who is, is the fountain of all goodness and righteousness, how much more will God do for his chosen ones when they cry out to him day and night? Jesus' point here is to show us just how unlike this human unjust judge God really is. He is the fountain of all righteousness. He would never, he can never violate justice. Jesus says, if that sinful judge who was only out to protect himself from getting a beating by an annoying widow gives an answer to her harassment, isn't it far more certain that our righteous God will answer his chosen ones and quickly at that. I think this tells us something about the thrust of the parable. If you look at most translations of the Bible here in Luke 18, they give a fairly standard title. Titles, of course, are not inspired, they're added later just as a helpful reference. But here's what most Bibles say at the beginning of Luke 18. They call it the parable of the persistent widow, or the widow's persistence, or the unjust judge, or the case of a widow, but I'm not sure that really captures the thrust of Jesus' application here, because Jesus' point of course is that God doesn't need persuasion God doesn't need us to harass His throne of grace in order for Him to hear us. God doesn't need us to worry and become anxious in order for Him to respond to us. This parable is here to highlight the willingness, the ability of God to answer our prayers according to His goodness and His deep love. He is willing to answer our prayers because we are His people through the work of His Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus' point is that we don't approach God in the same way that a vulnerable and helpless widow approaches a cruel and heartless judge. We don't need to harass God's throne of grace in order for him to hear us. We approach the God of love. who has an intimate love for us who always takes up our case, who always provides justice on our behalf. The wicked judge listened to the woman simply to get her off of his back. God listens to us as his people because he loves us. And like the widow, he desires to vindicate our cause. The judge acted selfishly, but God acts on behalf of us for the sake of his son, dear Jesus Christ. So what does this parable highlight? What's the main theme here? That that you and I should pray persistently just like the widow? Well, certainly it does teach us that we should continually bring our case and and our cause and our needs before God. We should not give up in prayer. That's clearly the, uh, the teaching of our Lord Jesus here. But remember this, brothers and sisters, the reason that we are heard, the reason that we are heard is not our persistence. Our persistence is not the emphasis here so much as it is the justice and the goodness and the willingness and the love of God to hear us. Again, Jesus is making an emphasis here between the worst in man and the best in God. Reminded of what Jesus says in Matthew 7, where he again makes this comparison. He says, an earthly father, how would he treat his children? Certainly the the loving uh, earthly father would... would would give his children the best that he could. He would not give them a stone instead of a piece of bread. But how much greater, Jesus says in Matthew 7, is God's love for us? In Isaiah 49, 15, the the, the prophet asks, can a mother forget the baby at her breast? And have no compassion of the child she has born? And of course, the answer to that question is yes. An earthly mother might forget her child. An earthly mother might fail to have compassion on the child that she bore. But look at the answer. God says, though she may forget, I will not forget. See, greater than a father's love, greater than a mother's love is the love of God hearing and answering our prayers so that we do not need to harass his throne. We don't need to trouble ourselves wondering, will the God of heaven and earth truly hear him? Will He truly answer me in kindness and love? He most certainly will. Because He is our faithful Heavenly Father for the sake of Jesus Christ. Not only that, look at this wonderful promise. Verse 7, and will not God give justice to His elect who cry to Him day and night? Will He delay long over them? Verse 8, I tell you, He will give justice to them speedily, speedily. Now we read that and we wonder, what are those times when answers to our prayers seem to be slow in coming? What are those times when the answers to our prayers do not seem to come immediately? When we so greatly desire them. What does our Lord Jesus mean here when he says that God will answer us speedily? Jesus is reminding us that God, unlike the unjust judge, will not put us off God will not put us off he will not fail to hear us he will never fail to consider our needs he may keep us waiting for a time in order to exercise our patience and to strengthen our faith but at the proper time God will answer the prayers of his people because of his deep love for them in Jesus Christ And that's the motivation for our continual, persistent prayer. As we read in 2 Peter 3.9, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. When God's perfect timing draws near and He answers our prayer, we can be assured that He will answer with speed. He will answer with precision. Answer in such a way that people not fail to see his glory and his power at work in our lives. He will not delay in acting according to his perfect will on our behalf. Yes, the time of waiting in periods of distress may seem long. But afterwards, when we see our prayers answered and we see the marvelous design of God's plan. We will be able to look back and admit that yes, God exercised his justice on my behalf without any delay whatsoever. Yes, brothers and sisters, we may be called to humble, prayerful waiting at times, but we must distinguish between delays and denials. I like the way William Bridge puts it, a praying man or woman could never be very miserable, whatever their condition be, for we have the ear of God, we have the spirit within to encourage, we have a friend in heaven to present our requests before God, and we have God himself who receives our desires. It's a mercy to pray, even if we never receive the mercy prayed for. You notice, though, finally, our Lord Jesus asks a very probing question to conclude his parable. He asks in the, the last part of verse 8, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? If we were to look a few chapters earlier, we'd see the Lord Jesus painting a picture, describing the events surrounding the coming of of the Son of Man on the last day. And in the day of Christ's second coming, the description of things going on in the world is very much how the world was going in the days of Noah and Lot. Marriage, giving in marriage, drunkenness, the attitude, eat, drink, for tomorrow we die. And as the church, we are called as God's people to live in the midst of such a difficult and a wicked age, with many trials surrounding us. In that context, Jesus asks us this very probing question. When he returns, when the Son of Man comes to earth to judge it, will he find faith on earth? Will he at that time find in his church simple childlike faith? Will he find that we are about the business of prayerful praying in anticipation of his return? Or will he find faithless praying? Or will he find that his people have abandoned praying altogether? You see, this parable reveals what is necessary for our faith, for our life in an age which is totally opposed to faith. Living in this present evil age, prayer is and it must be of the essence of our life. And so the options are clear according to Jesus. We must either pray earnestly, pray prayerfully, pray without ceasing, or we faint under the burden of this present wicked age. And So as we endure in this present evil world, as we wait for, as we anticipate the the return of Christ on the clouds of glory, we must continue in prayer. We must pray for the coming of Christ's kingdom, for Christ's return. We must pray that God would protect His church from all of her foes on earth. We must pray fervently that we will have a vibrant, faithful witness in this wicked place. We must pray fervently, passionately, that all of God's elect children will come into the kingdom and see and know His salvation. We know, brothers and sisters, that Jesus, when He returns, He will fulfill His redemptive work through the body of believers over which He is head. We know that Jesus will finish and complete and perfect the work that's been entrusted to Him by His Heavenly Father. We know that. But will we, will we be faithful to Jesus by constantly communicating with Him in prayer? Will there be faith among us that perseveres to the very end, faith like that of the persistent widow. Well, ultimately, the parable of the persistent widow is a picture of the church in prayer. And so the call extends to every single one of us this evening to remain faithful in prayer, to remain faithful in obedience. Even while Christ's return and the trials of this life may require patient waiting. We must live with prayerful expectation, trusting, believing that our requests will certainly be granted by our good and faithful judge and father. And that's our confidence. That's our confidence, not our ability to remain persistent, not our ability to remain faithful, but the reality that our God is persistent. Our God is persistent and remaining faithful to hear us and to answer us because of his deep love for us in Jesus. And so we can approach him persistently. We can approach him with confidence, calling him our Heavenly Father because we are his children through Jesus Christ. Yet that confidence we must never forget is also reverent. because while our Father is a righteous judge, he is a judge, nevertheless. And so when we pray we ought to approach him with the awe and the reverence that God in all of His majesty deserves from us. What is persistent prayer? I mean that our God will persistently answer us according to his perfect will out of his love for us in Jesus Christ. Would you join me in prayer now? Gracious God, we thank you for the wonderful promises that are attached to this, this parable. We're so grateful that you are not like the, the ungodly, worldly judge in Jesus' parable. We do not need to harass your throne. We do not need to worry anxiously whether you will hear us or whether you will answer us or even whether the answer that you give us will be good or not. But Lord, we can wait patiently trusting that when your answer comes and when you fulfill your will in our lives as we pray, that it will be good. It will be beautiful. It will be according to your sovereign will. And it will be for our salvation. And so, Lord, we pray that we would remain steadfast and faithful, that we would pray carefully, zeal, with confidence, and trust in you as our Heavenly Father, putting our hope in you rather than being concerned or worried about our circumstances. Lord, well, let me pray that when you do return, when your Christ, your Son Christ, returns on the clouds of glory on the last day, that there would be faith among us and steadfast faith and prayer according to your will. We pray all this in Christ's name. For our final hymn, we're going to turn to number 122 in the worship packet. Let God arise and by his might. Rendition of Psalm 68. We're going to stand together and sing the first three verses of that song. Number 122. this benediction the love of God the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all amen <laughs>